Welcome to the Expansive Astrology Podcast, where we look at using astrology beyond the tropes and horoscopes to tune into the natural forces around us and within us, honoring our true nature to craft our future. I'm your host, Melissa, the self-care witch, and I'm here to help you meet your magic. Without further ado, let's begin this week's episode with a tarot reading for the collective. Hi, beautiful. I'm sitting. Window open. Incense lit. It's a rainy day here in Fort Collins, Colorado, and I'm so excited to do a collective tarot reading for us for the week ahead. I'm going to do one of my favorite spreads ever, which I, I'm sure came from Lindsay Mack, um, probably 85% of my tarot knowledge comes from Lindsay Mack. (laughs) Um, and, but I don't remember actually, but this, um, this tarot spread is one of my favorite one of my favorites. It's one of my favorite ways to read. Um, I feel like it's so medicinal and it really like, um, when I started doing this spread, it really took my tarot practice to the next level. So I'm pulling one card, four cards, one card for what is present, one card for what is under that, what is supporting that, The next card is, what is the lesson? And the last card is, what are we invited to pay attention to? So this is the collective tarot reading for the week. Um, Take what you need and leave the rest. Um, I hope this feels useful or inspiring to you in some way. And if any part of it doesn't resonate, that's, that's fine. Um, and if you have a different understanding of these cards that you feel like maybe, um, fits better for you, trust that knowing as well. Um, okay. Mm Okay. (sighs) All right. So what is present is Ace of Pentacles. Mm, Okay. So some will really consider this to be a new beginning. Um, It's funny that that comes up for the first time I'm recording this for the first full episode of this podcast. Um, But it's it's not always about new beginnings. Ace of Pentacles is really, so the Pentacles suit in general is about our soul work, um, how we live a soul-centered existence as um, beings uh, who are, who don't want to pay bills (laughs) and have a day job, right? How do we marry the fact that we have a soul calling, um, a clear, um, soul calling, a clear purpose, clear direction, clear guidance in the form of um, what do we enjoy? What makes us feel good? What sets us 
on fire, though pentacles aren't about fire, right? Pentacles are, are about earth, um, grounding what we do in this material world as souls. Um, and the pentacles too are like very, so it's, it's root work. Um, in the pentacle suit, we are going through a process of, um, attending to our soul calling as human beings in these human bodies in a meat suit, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> um, and we don't see a garden until like way late in the game. Um, this is slow work. It's very Taurus too. Taurus, it's Taurus season. Um, and we're invited to like slow down, tune in, romanticize our lives where we stand. We're going to talk a lot more about that later today in this episode. Um, so, uh, so that's what the, the tarot reflects it too. That's what's present for us is, um, our willingness and our ability to tap in with our soul and to tap in with, um, utilizing, cultivating, um, a beautiful life where we stand, utilizing our privilege. If we have it, um, making changes where, where we can and, um, cultivating as much nourishing, pleasurable, healing, um, beautiful work as we can. Um, and that's not to romanticize life in a way of like bypassing, um, the really real, really, oh my God, terrible traumatic shit that's going on. Right. Um, uh, like sometimes, um, the shit looks really bleak. <laughs> I'll just, I'll just say it, you know? Um, uh, so not bypassing any of that. <laughs> um, but having a willingness and cultivating the ability to, um, improve where and what we can, um, and that starts with what is right immediately in front of us. That starts with what is right in our hand. And um, hopefully the better we get at that cultivation and that tending and that that um, soul tending and, and root work, hopefully the better we get at that, we can expand past what is literally in, in our hand and more into like the collective and how we serve the collective and how we um, bring about the change that is so desperately needed. Um, and we have to start with what's here and what's here is ace of pentacles. Um, and what is, there's the second card is, um, what is supporting that? What is behind that? Who do we have? Um, who do we have behind that? And, uh, king of cups came up. <laughs> mm, so speaking of like serving the collective, right? Like the king of cups is all about that. It's all about, um, um, serving, serving the collective, um, bringing cups to the collective cups of water. Water is like, um, along with breath, water is life force, right? Um, and the King of Cups is able to have a relationship with water, with life force, with emotion in such a way that, um, he doesn't get carried away by the waves. Um, he has a relationship with his emotions that is so divine and knowing and healthy and trusting 
uh, that he doesn't get swept away, even though the waves are kind of chaotic, <laughs> um, a lot of the time, <laughs> or like, um, depicted in this card eternally, right? <laughs> in this drawing, the waves are crazy, which means the King of Cups is constantly there. Um, so the thing about Cups work and what we've done prior to embodying King of Cups, um, is we're learning how how to have a relationship with our emotions, how to fill up our cup, how to tend to our heart, how to drop into heart, how to not make it so much about the fucking brain all of the time. And when we get to the King of Cups, so we are in a place where we are um, giving from surplus, where we have enough cups, our cup is full enough that we're able to then give, but we have to give to ourselves first. So I love this idea of how that message is what is supporting the Ace of Pentacles that is present for us um, when we are able to really fill up our cups, have a sacred, devoted, knowing, trusting relationship with our emotions that isn't um, out of control. Um, when we're able to fill up our own cup in that really beautiful, healthy way, uh, that's like the foundation of the Ace of Pentacle work where we're tending, where we're willing to be with our roots. We're willing to be with um, what wants to come forward for us and through us with this earthly existence. Now, the lesson. <sighs> uh, Four of Swords. I love the Four of Swords for the lesson here. Um, and the four of so swords are brain image brain imagery <laughs> okay brain imagery brain energy brain chemistry <laughs> is what i mean to say um the stories in our brain um how we tend to the fact that we have a brain that gets really contracted and um really like stuck in survival mode sometimes how do we how 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 do we deal with that how do we be with that right and the four of swords um it shows us it, it invites us into rest believe it or not um the lesson here supporting what i've already said supporting what is present the lesson here is to let ourselves be in that um be in that, just be in that, in the swords, be in that um, constricted, contracted energy, allowing ourselves to kind of look at that, but, um, and not in such a way that we're getting carried away by it or making any moves based on that. We're willing to be with our brain and we're willing to rest. And in fact, we know that um, willingness to just just kind of rest and let these let things let our brain things happen and pass. That's the only way that we can stay um, like disconnected from that. That's the that's the reprieve is rest, right? We can only ever be in fight or flight or rest and digest. And here's your lesson of the week. Maybe it's time to rest and digest. And that doesn't mean, again, like never about bypassing what's happening, 
the being in this card is like swords to the face. <laughs> They're looking at the swords. They're also resting. They're not um, making any moves based on that, you know, just kind of letting it be. And then what we're invited to pay attention to. So we know what's present for us and what's underneath that. We know what the lesson is. And now for what to center into, what do we do with all that? Where, where should we focus our attention? What do we need to center into? What do we need to pay attention to? High priestess. High priestess. So this is a very um, gentle pull. <laughs> um, um, all of these cards together are really asking us to be... Um, uh, careful with ourselves, gentle with ourselves, to really rest and be quiet, to tune in to our knowing. Um, the high priestess invites us right there into the heart of ourselves, into the heart of our knowing. The high priestess invites us to rest our feet on the moon, allow ourselves to dream and to trust that, um, you know, you know, you know, you have a brilliant, um, infinite, magical, divine inner knowing. You know what you need. So often in my work as like a coach, um, I, I, I'm acutely aware when I hear clients say, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, I just don't know. I don't know. They'll be telling me um, what they're thinking and where they're coming from and how they feel about it and what they think is right and what they what they think might not be quite right. And, um, you know, they could go on and on and on and then they'll end it with, I don't know. <laughs> and um, no, 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 love. You know, you know, you know. And sometimes we don't, right? That's fine. Um, when, but when we're ready to know, we will know it'll be clear, uh, when we're willing to, um, kind of, um, tune in and, and, you know, pull the curtain and be with our knowing and be with our like wild spirit, be with the moon, <laughs> um, you know, and there's so much abundance there. There's so much magic and abundance and beauty there. Um, so what are we invited to pay attention to is our inner knowing, our intuition. And with the high priestess, we also have a bit of a warning, which is um, not to get so stuck there, right? Um, we have a rich inner world and we have a very rich and beautiful outer world. And um, so kind of bringing back um, th that ace of pentacles. Like, I love that, um, it's ace of pentacles that's present for us. The lesson is for us to not get too attached to our brain chemistry, to allow ourselves to see it and be with it and rest with it, uh, but not make any, not, not necessarily make any moves off of that. And then the high priestess invites us to, um, um, rest and center in, really center in and be quiet and slow moving. Um, so, so, and, um, and even with the King of Cups, right? Anytime we have a lot of water energy, it can be really easy to kind of 
get lost in that and get stuck up in the middle of the sea, if you will. Um, and that's that's kind of a warning with the high priestess is not to get so um, um, not to not to be so caught in the internal that then we um, let anything lack externally. And sometimes we go through seasons and phases, right? Some phases are much more internal than others. Um, and that's okay. Um, and um, just just being aware of that, being cautious of that, making sure that we're using that four of swords rest and we're using that high priestess um, knowing to serve that ace of pentacles work. It all ties together. So that's it for our collective tarot reading. Um, let's get into the expansive astrology of the moment, shall we? We're going to talk about um, Taurus season this week. Um, and there are so many things to talk about when it comes to Taurus. This week, we're talking a lot about um, why we become, why we are the way we are and how to change it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Um, this is the podcast where we talk about why are you the way that you are and how do you change it? <laughs> no, um, kind of, but no. <laughs> um, this week we're, we're using Taurus to really talk about um, our response to trauma, hypervigilance, um, how to overcome hypervigilance. So let's get into it. Taurus is the second season of the astrological year. And it's really fitting to compare Aries to a newborn baby, the way Aries uh, is able to come in, take up space, <laughs> claim its birthright to take up space. Um, Aries is so magical in that way. Uh, so following that would make uh, Taurus the toddler. <laughs> Um, not in any sort of demeaning way, <laughs> um, but th the phrase for Taurus is I have, and um, Taurus rules the house of possessions. Um, and I have a young toddler, and um, <laughs> I feel like I have might be his catchphrase. <laughs> um, but the, the way toddlers um, collect things and line things up and collect rocks, you know, um, and have things, you know, they ta um, Taurus, Taurus being an earth sign, being the second earth sign really takes a look at this space that Aries came in and um, claimed and Taurus cultivates stability, safety, and pleasure from there. So there's, there's big themes of like, what, what, what is here? What beauty is here? And how do I um, build with that? What do I do with that? When we're talking about an earth sign, we're also talking about the pentacles in the tarot and the pentacles are, um, and earth is stabilizing, grounding energy, harnesses and really cultivates um, the, the power of the material world, right? Where, where I talked about this with the Ace of Pentacles in the Collective Read, where um, learning how to be a soul in a material world 
So um, it's all about marrying our soul work with having a meat suit and a day job. It's um, the slow, quiet, stabilizing groundwork and the root work that um, nobody may ever see or understand. Um, But it's the sustaining, it's like so necessary for sustaining and growing uh, in this life, right? Um, so with, we're looking at how do we really make the most of this Taurus season? How can we use the archetypes that, the archetypes that Taurus, um, inspires the, the energy of Taurus? How can we use this season to empower ourselves to show up, um, the, uh, as our most magical, shiny, selves in the full force of who we are, right? So um, empowered Taurus energy, we're looking at how do we romanticize our life? What do you, what can you do to romanticize the fuck out of your life? Right. Um, With it's the Venus influence. It's the Venus influence that um, is able to find beauty where you, where we stand. Taurus has such a gift for um, creating comfort and beauty. Can you lean into that for yourself this season? Building with what you have, right? Like um, it's a very capitalist (laughs) privileged idea to luxuriate. And can you take five minutes to stretch in your bed before you get out of it? To just be with yourself in your head. How can you romanticize getting out of bed? How can you romanticize clocking out for lunch? (laughs) Um, Empowered Taurus is also really self-assured. And this is difficult. This isn't easy for everyone um, to know your worth and where you stand. To, to know your values and your worth enough to be self-assured and unwavering, right? And that idea of being unwavering can be empowered or disempowered, <laughs> depending on oh, where it's coming from. Is it coming from a heart-centered place or a very egoic, defensive place? But um, for the rest of Taurus season, like, I, like per, this is your permission that I wish I could give you. <laughs> but... Um, only you can really give it to yourself, but give yourself permission to um, luxuriate in any way that you can. Tend to your sweet body that has to go through so much and is living through a pandemic. Dude, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. I don't, I don't, you know, whoever you are and however, um, However, your experience has been for the past couple of years, like, I think collectively, like, we are all burnt the fuck out. (laughs) I don't know a single person who isn't, you know, how can you, even with that, knowing that, holding that, experiencing that, like, how can you also... Like luxuriate, create beauty, romanticize your life, um, kind of like 
what do I want to say? It's suspend time. Can you become a time warper bender person? Magical <laughs> person. I don't know. Um, and suspend time in that way. We're like, we're always so rushing and like contracted and grinding. Can you suspend time by setting your alarm five minutes early for the sole purpose of using those five minutes to stretch your body, massage your neck, massage your sweet hands and your feet before you get actually get out of bed and just be with your brain, not your phone, your brain, just be with yourself your heart, your brain, your soul. That's a way of time warping, if you ask me. <laughs> when you peel an orange, can you just peel that orange? How long does it take? 60 seconds, 90 seconds? I don't know how long it takes. <laughs> um, but can you be in all of those 60 to 90 seconds while you're peeling that orange? It's like a way of like suspending time. Can you foster the comfort, the love, the beauty, the security, the safety? Can you foster those things for yourself with what you already have? This isn't a don't get, don't let yourself get caught up in like, yes, I can do that as soon as uh, I meet this deadline or as soon as my kid is potty trained or as soon as um, I, I heal from this grief or um, as soon as, as soon as once I have this thing or once I'm past this thing, um, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't say that. Come back here. We're cultivating with what we have where we stand. So disempowered Taurus energy, the things to just, um, that we're paying attention to this month, just watching out for, making sure that we're not falling into any of these traps and remembering that for each of these disempowered, um, behaviors or moods or, um, patterns, um, there's an empowered version of that. So, um, Disempowered Taurus can be stubborn and unmoving, right? That that self-assuredness, uh, self-assuredness, that fixed nature, um, in a from a disempowered stance where we're unwilling to hear the opinions of others, we're unwilling to um, give it up when we need to give it up, we're unwilling to change things or adjust. Um, it's it can be good to. Um, be like that self-assured to have that confidence um, until until it's not good, you know. And I think I think most of us know the difference. Um, disempowered Taurus can be controlling, possessive, defensive. So there's a difference between like leadership and um, being controlling, right? And here's the thing: is like um, you can't fake self-assuredness. You can't fake confidence. I mean, you can, um, you can, but like any sort of like defensiveness, um, is like a telltale sign that it's, that it's fake. True self-assuredness is undefended and graceful, right? So like, we're not just, um, we're not just, um, faking this like empowered Taurus energy. We're really doing the work 
How can you be in a sense of true self-assuredness, true confidence, um, truly stepping into that, not faking it, meaning that we're undefended in that. We're so sure of it that we don't have to defend it. We can show up more gracefully. Disempowered Taurus can be really unwilling to change or let go or see another point of view can be kind of, um, so here's the, here's the real risk is maintaining a fake sense of security. Again, um, this all has to be authentic. We can't fake any of this because, um, here's the risk when we are, when we are trying to foster a fake sense of security, a fake sense of, um, safety, the, uh, um, um, a fake loyalty, um, we can get really stuck in situations that are damaging, relationships that are damaging, all for the sake of trying to um, cultivate a sense of security and safety, all from a fear of, um, you know, there's, there's a million fears. Like, what if it can't be better? What if this is all that I have? What if, um, um, you know, this is good enough. <laughs> um, make sure you're not keeping yourself in a damaging or unhealthy or unevolved um, situation for the sake of a false sense of security, a false sense of self-assuredness, right? So that's... <laughs> That's the invitation of Taurus. With such heavy themes of cultivating pleasure and stability and security and um, sense, a sense of safety, uh, it felt it's fitting to discuss hypervigilance and trauma responses, fight or flight, in Taurus season early on in the astrological year. Like, let's tend to this now before before we move any farther. Um, so why do we hold on to negative triggering events, right? Like why does trauma linger when it's so awful? <laughs> it's so awful for us, right? Um, our brain has a very simple filing system, right? There's things are healthy or unhealthy. They're safe or unsafe. Which is really good to to when we're talking about uh, saving ourselves from being attacked by a tiger. The brain holds on to uh, the brain response to a tiger attack in such a way that um, it prevents us from possibly being attacked by a tiger in the future. And like I said before, we can only ever be in fight or flight or rest and digest. Like those are the options. It's one or the other. And so many of us are in fight or flight, like all of the time. Just totally tense <laughs> all of the time. We hold our breath. Our muscles are tense. We're jumpy, right? And no, um, you know, no judgment. It's natural. It's how we are. 
and again, um, experiencing triggers and hypervigilance, it's the brain's way of protecting ourselves from being hurt again. It's our natural um, response to feeling unsafe or, or unstable. It's a natural response to um, trauma, to being hurt. And when we're talking about trauma or post-trauma, we're talking about brain chemistry, right? And with brain chemistry, uh, we get to choose whether or not we're taking certain invitations. We can't always control, we don't get to choose how our brain operates, unfortunately. We don't get to choose the invitations that our brain brings us into. And we get to choose whether to take those invitations, though. This takes a lot of work, a lot of training, a lot of practice. Uh, and it means developing a very close understanding, knowing relationship with the brain and how it operates, knowing your inner protector, your post-trauma, knowing the invitations that your brain will likely bring you into, and what what it's trying to accomplish, right? And how to... How to Gently invite the brain back into the backseat of the car, where it's still here to protect us and inform us, but we get to take the steering wheel again. So hypervigilance is a state of being where we have a heightened alertness that is that is accompanied by um, any sort of behavior that's aiming to prevent some sort of danger. It's where the, the subconscious is always anticipating danger and we're always attempting to prevent danger. And it's not helpful. <laughs> it doesn't even work. It's not even helpful. It doesn't actually prevent any danger. It doesn't prevent anything. Sit with that for a minute because <laughs> um, it can be hard for our inner protector to hear that. Um, and hypervigilance. Our subconscious always being on alert, our subconscious um, trying to, to get ahead of any potential danger, it does not work. Things still happen. It's a long-term stress response that has a severe impact on the mind and the body. You know, stress releases cortisol from the adrenal system, which makes us jumpy and on edge, which makes us um, you know, irritable <laughs> and it makes it difficult to relax or sleep. And when we're unable to relax, when we're unable to, to be in rest and digest, you know, we're not just talking about digesting food. We're talking about digesting like, um, experiences, you know, our brain needs rest. Our brain needs uh, rest in order to process what has happened. Um, so, so just, you know, that, that cortisol dump or that constant stress, the impact of that stress itself makes us less um, capable in the face of potential danger. Over time, all of this stress, all of this hypervigilance, um, we eventually have to seek respite from that stress which can manifest in things like substance use and um, codependency and um, dissociation and obsessive compulsive disorders, anything to numb us so we don't have to deal with it. 
And obsessive compulsive disorders come up here because um, when we're so stuck in hypervigilance, when we're um, caught in the scary what ifs and um, trying to anticipate danger, it can lead it that can be it can be really we can get fixated on that and it can cause us to um, um, behave in compulsive ways to try to prevent danger. Right? Obsessive compulsive behaviors are um, related to trauma. So it's a trauma response. Now, Dr. Noam Spencer <laughs> said, quote, if early adversity led you to a habit of drinking, are your per- current problems caused by early adversity or by drinking? Unquote. So he's saying here, um, the hypervigilance doesn't help because even if something terrible has happened to us in the past, right, we, we, we aren't this way for no reason, right? If we are, um, stuck in fight or flight, if we're really hypervigilance, if we have post-trauma or if we have CPTSD, right, um, we develop these things for a reason. And, um, it's just helpful to know that, um, even if we've experienced early adversity in some way, um, we might want to say like, I, I drink because I have childhood trauma and Dr. Spencer is saying, are our current problems caused actually caused by that trauma or are our current problems caused by our reaction to that trauma? Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense. He goes on to say that human beings are more than the sum of their hurts, a trauma centered narrative may make moving on from trauma difficult. Attaching one's identity to past trauma provides relief by anchoring our sense of self in a coherent narrative amidst the storm of existence. Yet once the story of my trauma becomes the story of me, moving on from it may feel like self-negation. Moving on from adversity often requires a shift in how we perceive ourselves. Specifically, we might benefit from shifting our self-focus to our strengths and assets. This is not an act of denial or an excursion into positive thinking, but a useful and fair correction. So how do we do this? Dr. Spencer says, a useful first move is to let go of misperception. It's a a common feature of trauma-centered narratives that what caused a problem to emerge in the past is what keeps it going in the present. In general, current difficulties that may have had their origin in past adversity are more commonly maintained in the present by the habit of avoidance, research finds. What's holding you back now is not your past adversity, but avoidance habits enacted to cope with its aftermath. Such habits, unlike the past experience itself, can be changed. The way forward from trauma is by confronting the present that your past had taught you to avoid, unquote. So I felt like that was really helpful. And I have a few um, uh, tips, I guess, or steps um, to, to kind of help with that. Um, and this is surely not um, all-encompassing, or it's not um, conclusive, I guess. Um, True 
trauma healing really takes a lot of, of support and work. And I definitely recommend therapy, true therapy for um, treating trauma. Um, but some like mindset shifts are just things to really make sure that you're tuned in with, tapped in with. Um, having a trust in the universe, trusting in God, trusting that nothing happens by accident. And I know that that can be really radical to say. Um, um, and I've experienced some really terrible things, right? I, I know people who've experienced some really terrible things. And, um, as a rule, I believe that we will not experience anything on earth that was not meant to somehow propel us forward in an ultimately positive way and adopting that belief wholeheartedly really helps um, to shift your mindset in looking at even the um, tragedy, the traumatic things that happen, um, really trusting in God, believing that ultimately um, it, it, it is meant to propel me forward in some positive way. And I know I've already said this earlier in the podcast, but I'm never looking at bypassing the pain. Never, ever, ever. I know that the only way through is through. <laughs> and, um, you know, any sort of brain beliefs or people who believe that, um, like this, like soul work, this healing, this, this type of mindset work, this, um, <laughs> This work that I'm doing myself and this work that I'm asking you to do is not fluffy, fuzzy, warm and cozy softness, you know. Um, I'm talking a lot about romanticizing your life and finding pleasure, cultivating pleasure. Um, and like um, you, you have you, and <laughs> along with that um, in the same day uh, can be the heart wrenching, like dark heavy, sticky, shitty, terrible work that nobody wants to do. The stuff that nobody wants to look at. Um, the level of personal responsibility that um, I know my ego does not appreciate. <laughs> um, so when I say things like nothing happens by accident and everything is is um, in some way here to um, support your um, growth or, or, um, like evolution evolving. Um, I know that sounds really soft and fluffy. Um, and perhaps it is. Um, and the only way through is through. I really believe that too. So understanding as well that, um, like being able to tell yourself, I am always in the right place at the right time. I trust in the timing of my life, remembering that um, um, no matter what happens, you know, there are times when it's like, God, wrong timing. I should not have been there for that. Or God, I wish if only I had waited 10 more minutes, then this horrible thing wouldn't have happened or I wouldn't have seen it or, um, um, you know any sense that something shouldn't be happening, I honor that. And also 
I believe that I'm always in the right place at the right time. If that means I'm running late, if that means, you know, whatever that means. Um, I don't propose to know why. <laughs> that sounds that sounds kind of funny. I don't propose to know why I'm running late. <laughs> it couldn't possibly have anything to do with the extra log shower and stopping for an iced latte on the way. I don't propose to know why I'm late, but I trust that I'm always in the right place at the right time. <laughs> um, you know. um but remembering that like our our path happens for a reason our ideas for our life are here for a reason and you have ultimately you have no clue what will truly be the best for you you have no clue where you're going you don't we don't we have no we have no freaking idea we might have an inkling we might have like a dream we might have a um, really call clear calling and a clear, like clearly, um, like, um, considered path, you know, we might have a clear path. Um, and ultimately you have no idea where the hell you're going. Um, and we're always curating better and better for ourselves, better goals for ourselves based on the new information that we have the new experience that we've gained, right? Always the new um, materials or resources that become available to us. We're always curating better and better for ourselves. So um, I think it's safest to don't presume to know what's best. Really um, affirm for yourself. Like I am always in the right place at the right time. I don't need to know the purpose of this right now. And um, also I can always choose my vibe. I can always choose how I'm showing up because bad shit happens <laughs> and this gets really hard to accept and believe in, especially when bad shit happens. And can you trust in the universe? Can you believe that um, obstacles are portals even and especially when it's <laughs> annoying? or um, heart-wrenching. Can you adopt kind of, uh, you know, we, a lot of the time we're like, of course, oh, of course this would happen. This always happens to me, of course. Can you adopt, can you shift that to like have a sense of humor about it with love and humor? You know, oh, of course, yep, of course this would happen. <laughs> and chuckle at that. Of course this would happen. This always happens. Of course this happens. You know, can you, um, you know, there's, there's, there's a way to say that from a really disempowered place and there's a way to say that from a really empowered place. So hopefully this um, feels helpful for you to kind of root in and um, start to, you know, take a really practical approach to um, overcoming that sense of hypervigilance, trusting where you are when you're there and um, finding finding pleasure, cultivating beauty where you are. So that's all I have for you this week. I really hope it's been helpful. I'm so jazzed to be wrapping up the very first episode of the Expansive Astrology Podcast. More than anything, I hope that it's useful for you. So Thank you for being here. Um, have a lovely week. 
until I meet you again. We have a full moon on Sunday that I hope is regenerative and so juicy for you. And um, don't panic, but do what you can to prepare for Mercury to go retrograde on Tuesday, um, which I will be speaking a lot more about that in the next episode. So I will see you then. Bye. Now, before you go, let me keep your ear for just a moment. This week's episode is brought to you by www.theselfcarewitch.com, my bread and butter, where you can find more information on my current courses, offerings, and other fun ways to connect with myself and yourself. If you enjoyed this episode and you dig what I'm doing here, please subscribe to the podcast, rate it, and leave a review. It helps so much. And if you'd like to connect with me, head to theselfcarewitch.com. I'd truly love to hear from you. Until next time, take care.